So there's this article about the Terraform versus the SEC. Now, this is something that is really front of mind, given all the discussion on regulators trying to come in and argue their, their jurisdiction over the cryptocurrency industries, these different companies operating in the industry. And really, this this highlights the fact that they probably are not going to be able to actually enforce any kind of action against securities laws unless there was a specific token issuance to U.S. investors. I don't really know what the SEC can do here because these these entities operate internationally in in this digital realm that don't really have have the the in in person the physical real estate the same way that a traditional company would. However, if there was actually on the initial cap table of these startups like Terraform that had tokens going to US people that were not held in offshore entities. This is going to be an issue for, for Terra, I think. But I'll be interested to see if they comply with the subpoenas. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them resist those. But what did you think, Jake? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I have no legal background. Uh, so I'm kind of just <laughs> going off my own uh, gut and biases here. And yeah, I mean, it looks like they're going to basically tell them to fuck off from the get-go. Um, but I guess I just have this feeling like it's just going to take like one one bylaw somewhere, or, or even the, the article referenced these multi-country, uh, these uh, international agreements. And there might just be a small way in the door that allows the SEC to do something and all of a sudden they can do kind of whatever they want. I guess in the end, I just assume that if the U.S. government wants to dig you out anywhere in the world, unless you're in one of these hostile countries, they'll get to you. Um, But um, I I, I guess to bring it back, my perspective is, and I know not everyone's going to share this, but it seems like, like I mentioned, Terraform, and to a larger extent, most of these crypto companies just kind of want to tell the government to pack their shit and get out of their space. And and I get that. I, I do. Uh, you don't want someone in cramping, uh, you know, trying to get in the way of the innovation going on here. But to me, it just seems like the government is going to get their hands on this somewhere or the other through some regulation, maybe more than that. You can either fight it and let it control you, or you can lean in a little bit, play ball. I mean, this is, what, what is this? This was a, a uh, this wasn't even like them serving a criminal complaint. It was just them trying to investigate some information. Well, Jake, like, there's a little bit more to this than, than the article reveals because the subpoena, initially the SEC served, and I, I should have included this link as well, this was back in October, I think. The SEC served a subpoena to the Terraform guys at a New York City conference, uh, in-person industry conference, and the Terraform team actually countersued against this action, and that's a little bit of what what they're arguing 
in this countersuit is is this article we have today. And so the Terraform guys are arguing that, you know, as as a South Korean citizen and resident, this isn't applying to to Kwan, the guy who Terraform founder. And then also that they were using a public crowded conference as a means to publicly intimidate and embarrass the company. So I actually, I mean, I strongly agree with that part because it's like you, you were making this out of a, you, you, they turned this into a theatrical intimidation, in my opinion. But you can't also, to your point, just expect the government to like let you do whatever you want. So it's just like, okay, they took the, this opportune moment to, to serve the guy these papers and intimidate when he happened to be on U.S. soil. But it's not like he's a war criminal or, or something. So it's, it's just weird. Um, it's just weird. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that there might have been some, some attempt to embarrass. I guess at the end of the day, I don't know how much shit that this guy's talked about the SEC. I know a lot of people love to talk shit about the SEC and the federal government in the crypto web three space and a lot of it's fair criticism, but um, it, that doesn't justify any misbehavior by the SEC. But um, I guess at the same time, like if you're going to try to publicly embarrass uh, the SEC or the FBI or whoever, don't be shocked if they turn around and find a opportunity and take a chance to do the same to you. Like <laughs> it's, it kind of cuts both ways sometimes. So uh, again, not the way it should work, but just uh, I don't know what you expect. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what do you expect when you just publicly, you know, flagrantly go go in the face of it? So anyway, good stuff. What are yeah. you uh, What are you looking at? Yeah. So uh, something that I'm sure everyone has maybe seen or that's been mildly aware of, but uh, Jack Dorsey, the guy who uh, founded Twitter, of course, he's no longer there. He left recently. He sent out a couple tweets on Monday uh, that really kind of whipped up people in the Web3 crypto space, caused a bit of a stir on Twitter, um, which is what Twitter is basically meant for. But a um, couple tweets that he sent, I want to, the first one was that very simply, Bitcoin will replace the dollar. And, um, you know, for, for that one, I don't, I'm not going to fight him on that, really. I think at the end of the day, when you come, when it comes down to like trying to predict the future, um, I, I think his opinion is probably worth more than mine, but mine is worthless. And I think his is next to worthless. That's not to say that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He knows a hell of a lot more than I do. I just think that generally people who try to predict the future are more or less flipping a coin, regardless of how successful or how smart you are. Um, you can look at examples of these people on ESPN predicting sports. You can look at Jim Cramer and other financial predictors. Hell, you can even look at IT. If anyone would like to read a fun story, go back and read about the saga of the Segway scooters. Uh, Jeff Bezos and um, um, Steve Jobs were two guys integral to the development of Segway scooters, and they thought that they would change the world. Predictions about the future really should not be given too much weight. But um, it is also important, I think, to know what a guy who is as rich and powerful as Jack Dorsey uh thinks but there was another tweet uh, and i want to get this 
right? Because I thought this was more interesting. He said, you don't own Web3. The venture capitalists and their limited partners do. It will never escape their incentives. It's ultimately a centralized entity with a different label. Know what you're getting into. So I don't, I don't know. I, my first reaction is, is that true? I, I don't really know. It seems like it might be. What are your thoughts on, on that second tweet? Bill? Yeah, I have conflicted thoughts on it. I mean, there's some truth to it, but let's look at the large funds like Paradigm has a $2 billion crypto fund. A16Z, the Andreessen Horowitz guys are pumping money into all sorts of different things. NFT, Web3, but they're, they're investing in good projects too, like NIM in the privacy space. So, I mean, yes, the VCs are, are wetting their beaks all over the place, but um, Bology put a bunch of tweets out that I think anybody who wants to read the counter argument to Jack's stuff, just go check out Bology's page because like, I mean, he made a bunch of great posts yesterday in response to this. Ethereum raising $0 from VCs. It was an open public crowd sale in 2014. Anybody with Bark, with Bitcoin could, could participate and you're getting in at, I don't remember what the ICO price was, but it was silly, like a dollar or less. I think it was less than a dollar for, for Ethereum. So the thing, the whole point about this is that there's a lot of opportunity to participate in this new this new financial system, anybody now in the old days, you didn't have to KYC to do any of this stuff. Now you do for most of the projects, but I was watching a video last night about um, bad market calls people had made. Copyzilla did a video making fun of like people that made bad market calls over the past 20, 30 years. And there was a good one on the 99.com boom about all these investment bankers and VCs just pumping out IPOs of dog shit companies and just making, making hay while the sun's shining. There's a little bit of that going on here, but it's not the same because the, the IPO stuff isn't really happening as much, but there is this offloading of, of tokens as soon as these companies reach a, a mature stage to, to just dump dump tokens on unsuspecting investors. But I would say that there's fair launches happening too. Look at how Helium did theirs. Now they did a equity round and the token that they launched was a fair launch. There was no pre-mining of any tokens before the Helium network went live. And so literally anybody with the miners could just start earning tokens the day that network went live. Handshake is another one. And interestingly enough, a16Z and other VCs participated in that ICO, the handshake ICO. But um, just look at how Helium has performed, for example. So if you as an investor are able to identify these kind of fair launches that have VC backing, I mean, first of all, DM me because I want to know about those. They're a little bit rarer. But if you align incentives as a founder, and you set it up to have a quote unquote fair launch, you can do tremendously well. And I, I just think that you get rewarded if you properly aligned incentives as a founder. And if you're actually building something cool, I know we're almost about on time, but uh, what's your reaction there? So there was a conversation I listened to on Twitter spaces afterwards with um, 
people much smarter than me much, that know a lot more about this, some Google uh, developers and, and engineers. And they were talking about a lot of the control, the power, maybe the DAO aspects of how um, you, were, you were talking a little bit about financial rewards, but I think finance and power kind of tie into the dream of this space where you really want to decentralize it. And there's just a lot of work to be done, a lot of kinks to figure out. And so I, I, I think that this could, th this could be a space that develops in a way that doesn't perfectly mirror the one we have now, where people with the most money swoop in, take control and run the show. Um, but the reality is, is that is the way our world works right now. And as long as these big VC companies have bottomless pools of money to draw on, it's just always going to be a risk, but I think you kind of were hitting the nail on the head, which is that if you're in this space and this is a concern you have, just you know find some projects that you like, stick with it for the long haul, and because your timeline might be a lot longer than a venture capitalist, and um, you know working on a project you believe in, if it pays off, you personally, hopefully you'll. Either way, whether a VC benefits or not, hopefully you'll see your. Um, Hopefully you'll get your cut, I guess. But um, yeah, exactly. I guess that was I my takeaway. The, the pie's big enough for for a lot of a lot of people to come in and and hopefully do well, but also build some cool stuff. So yeah. So all right, cool. Well, that's great. Uh, thanks for hopping on. We'll um, probably be on tomorrow, but uh, we might be taking Christmas Eve off. I guess we'll see. But um, good to talk to you. Sounds good. Yeah. Talk to you later. All right. See ya.